You are listening to the Tricer Podcast, where we talk all things hunting, gear, and the great outdoors. Before we begin, let's start things out right and put God first. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Tricer, and I ask that you can use this podcast as a way to bring joy to all of our listeners. We lay Tricer and this podcast at your feet. Amen. I am super, super excited to get the exclusive on this one. I have the man, the myth, the worst hunter in the world, Dylan Dietz, <laughs> on the Tricer podcast. And uh, What's going on, Drew? What's going on, everybody? And it's true. I, I might be one of, if not the worst hunter in the world. So fitting. I'm Fitting I'm, introduction. It is. And I'm very excited because like, I have so much faith in you. That I actually told you, Dylan, when you kill a bull, I want to be the first podcast you go on to because I want to hear this story because this story is worth telling. So I've had faith in you since the beginning that you were going to kill it. I wasn't rooting against you. I think a lot of people are rooting against you getting it, but you got it. I did it, man. Thanks for believing in me. Few people, few people have believed in me. And dude, we got it done. Yeah, I'm, my feet still haven't touched the ground. I still can't believe it. I've been trying to kill an elk for 10 years and dreaming of killing a bull, bull for longer than that. But I've been actually hunting elk for a decade. This was my 10th year and fi- finally got it done. So pretty cool, man. That's crazy. So tell me, tell me about you. So we met through Cody Rich. Cody told me, he's like, hey, man, you got to go with my mm-hmm. friend Dylan. He's super funny. And he's not a good hunter, but he's really funny and he can like make some great content and you should get to, you should get to know <laughs> Dylan, right? And you've just been awesome to work with. You've been fun to work with and just somebody who I, I enjoy mm. like bouncing ideas off of and just somebody in the industry who's just like a breath of fresh air. And it's been so nice to work with you on a few different projects and just get to know you and see what you're doing. Honestly, see you grow, right? Like I think when we started talking, you might've had like 1500 mm. followers and like you've gone up, you've like tripled that now or something, you know? And yeah. You're, 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 stuff, you're, you're really growing as a, as a brand and you're really genuine, right? You're not this phony dude out there. You're putting everything out there which I, I appreciate, right? Like I like guys who are like, hey, I shot a fork, get over it, right? Not like every animal you shoot is a giant animal. Everything you do is like you, this majestic pack out scene, you know, it's just everything was perfect and every hunt went great. Like it's like the raw emotions of Dylan Dietz and I appreciate that and I appreciate the the, the genuineness of you as a person, as a hunter, as a, as a father, as a husband, as a Christian. And I, that's one reason why I really like working with you and want to continue working with you. Oh, dude, I appreciate that so much. And yeah, giant shout out to... uh Cody Rich, man, that dude, like from my first couple videos, just kind of took me under his wing. He's helped me so much on the business aspect of what I'm doing now and introduced me to great people. Like you were my first sponsor ever. And I was, I still am a nobody, but even back then, like I had accomplished virtually nothing. You know, I had no, my Instagram is not full of a bunch of dead animals and stuff. And for most hunting companies, it's like, we want to show that our product leads to dead animals. Right. And you were so gracious and kind to just bring me on the pro staff and hook me up with, I've been looking at Tricer products for years and just haven't shelled the money out on it. And you sent me a bunch of stuff and fell in love with the company. And yeah, dude, you've been awesome. And big shout out to Cody for introducing us. But yeah, I'm forever, you know, you look at Instagram or YouTube and you think like, man, I want to be one of those badass hunters, you know? And I was trying to be that for a long time. And then finally, you know, last year, it's just like, dude, that's not me. Like I'm a goofball. hunting is one of the most important it's like church family like god family and and hunting for me and but yeah once i started to just like i'm just gonna be myself let's let's make a video about how i'm just making fun of how bad of a hunter i am because i think the vast majority of hunters feel like me not the cameron haynes you know or drew miles of the world you know we don't all feel like these big badass hunters but i was trying to be that and just was like, why am I doing this, dude? Like, this is not me. And just started making fun of myself. And yeah, we're almost at 3 million views now on my Instagram reels and thousands of followers in this year and sponsorships and money and a little bit of money. But it's like, what is, this is the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. I didn't set out to be like a successful hunt YouTube or like Instagram hunter guy. Um, the door has just naturally been opened and yeah, so many cool experiences are happening. So after a year of all this craziness happening to finally kill my first bull is 
was very surreal. Yeah, I think as a company, for one, I'm not a badass hunter at all, by any means. I'm not killing giant I think animals. You are. <laughs> but I, uh, but I like guy like the normal dudes, right? I recognize that, like I mm. do recognize that, like guys like Ryan Lampers are using my stuff, and Brady Miller's using my stuff, and like that's that uh, to the moon. Amazing, stuff. Dude. Yeah. amazing, right? And and Brian Call's using my stuff, and, and Cody Nelson, and these Cody Rich, all these guys are using our stuff, which is awesome. But at the same time, like those guys, while they're incredible, and I love those relationships. What's really driving our company is the normal dudes who are using my stuff, right? And the the, the guys who get to go out and hunt, hmm. you know, a couple weekends a month and their wife's pissed off about it because they've got, they're already working 40 to 50 hours a week. And then they, you know, they got their kids little league game and they're still trying to get out and hunt on the weekend, right? Those are the guys who really kind of a, a appeal to me, right? That's why you appeal to me. It's like the, the, the normal dude, the average hunter, right? The guy who's like, yeah, I didn't hmm. shoot a 180-ish mule deer. I shot a three by three buck and I'm happy about it. Right, that's where we need to get all these guys that like piss I'm off. I'm pumped, yeah, dude. I'm pumped. I'm pumped, dude. My kid just went and shot a, a little fork and wanted to be a three by three in Utah. He is ecstatic, but I'm so worried that if I post something on the internet, people are going to hammer but, me. Yeah, and that's the one that you know. No, dude, who cares, man? Because didn't yeah. isn't that the hunt he like went by himself or with his friends? Yes. Yeah, yeah, with one of my friends, but yeah, like with that stat, dude. That's. Yeah, but that's awesome, man. It's like your boy going out and getting it done. I dream of that kind of stuff. You know, I can't wait for my kids to to not want to hunt with dad. Like, dad, we're doing a seven-day elk hunt with me and my friends. I can't wait for that, dude. That's so cool, man. I just came home. Who cares about it? Three by three, a spike. That's awesome. I just came home from work, and my kitchen, there is a skinned-out mule deer with the skin still all over my kitchen. His mom's not home yet. The skull's in a giant pot. And I'm like, dude, your mom is going to kill you. Like, what are you doing? But he's doing it himself, dude. You better hurry it up. (laughs) Yeah, and honestly, he needs to be able to get outside. And if you've ever boiled a skull, they smell. Like, you don't want to do that in the house. And I'm pretty sure he didn't remove the brain. I will pay... He didn't remove the brain yet? I don't know if he removed the brain. I got to find out if he did. So he's just cooking the brain in the water? I hope he isn't. I, I, I hope he, I'm thinking about it right now. I hope in the pot, I have a brain removal tool my friend made for me. It's like a piece of quarter inch copper. It's like a hook. And you shove it in the skull and put a hose on it. Mm. And it, bla- it blasts the brain out in like a second from pressure. It's really cool. And I'm hoping that he grabs it. Yo, that. you think- need to connect me with one of those. That's sweet. I'll send you a picture. It's I, I like I talked to Cody about making them, and he's like, "Do such a redneck tool. Don't make that." So I don't, it's it's a, it's just literally just quarter inch copper, and you just put it onto a hose and onto a hose, and it blasts the brains out. It's it's pretty cool, like a brain removal tool. I should put a video up on like Instagram about it and like, give my buddy the shout out for it. I didn't make it; my buddy made it for me. It's just a cool tool. Um, but yeah, it is cool having him do that. But my point is, though, is like the average dude isn't shooting giant deer. The average dude isn't out there for. 14 days at a time, right, hunting, right? The average dude honestly isn't doing, you know, these exotic crazy hunts. Like he's hunting in his backyard when he can and he's trying to get it done, right? And that's who I really want to appeal to most, Mm -hmm. right? And the average dude does look up to those guys I mentioned earlier, for sure. I get that, right? The average dude does see me using stuff and he likes that, right? Yeah. but what's really going to sell him is like seeing his his average friend using it and finding things, right? If I can make the average guy a little bit better, like that's what I want to do. I want to make you successful, right? Like I was out this weekend hunting with my kid and I'm using my tripod and my panhead and I'm telling my kid like, dude, I would pay double what I, what I sell these things for for this thing because it's such an enjoyable experience. I love that the average guy is using my tripod now and he's like, I know they're fine. People are finding more animals by using my stuff because it's just that good. And that's something that I really get off on. I love doing, right? I love it. Dude, 100%. And, you know, I have, uh, you know, I hunt with some people that are way better hunters than me. And a couple of them used tripods and really got into using a tripod for black bear hunting because it's it's so glass intensive. I was like, do you really need that? And they're like, try it. And I put my binos on their tripod. I was like, oh, oh, this is what real hunters do. Like, so since I, I, then I just bought a little $15 Amazon special tripod and slapped a, you know, whatever Amazon special tripod head was on there. And just the change that made in my hunting uh, was astronomical. And then so to start working with you and that to use that LP pan head on like a tripod that is lighter than the Amazon special and a hundred times as sturdy, dude, I've, it's changed completely changed the way I hunt. So I still get DMS. Like whenever I post something about Tricer, they're like, I'll get DMS. Like how necessary is using a tripod to glass? 
And I'm like, dude, I know where your thought process is going, but it's something, especially for rifle season, I never leave the truck without this thing. Like it's, it makes that much of a difference. Yeah. And we are really in like the, the people were using tripods for 20 years, right? Especially down here, like Arizona, mm-hmm. like, so like it's the desert or people were doing it for a long time, Nevada, but we really are still in like the beginning stages of this industry and where it's going with the tripods. It's really neat to kind of be innovating things and bring mm-hmm. them into that. Like, did you see the new uh, BP panhead? Did you see the new panhead? I've I seen posted? clips on your Instagram. Yeah, it's friggin' sweet. You've got 15 pounds on it at a 90 degree angle and it's just holding there. That's yeah. what kind of witchcraft are you? I thought you were a Christian, dude. Yeah, 15 pounds and it weighs 11 and a half ounces. I love when I design something and I'm like, I want it to weigh less than That's 16 crazy. ounces. And it comes in at 11 and a half and I'm just like, and it's, and it's just working incredible. So it's it's neat, but that's the stuff that's going to make so people so cool, much man. so much better at hunting. People are going to find more deer. Like like this weekend, like I'm my favorite thing more than hunting. I, I get it's all hunting, but like more than killing, hands down is glassing. Like my I will glass. If you ever go hunting with me, get a chance to hunt with me, I will glass all day long. Like we we hunt live in San Diego. We have like the worst mm-hmm. deer population in the world. I glassed all day Saturday and finally glassed some deer at like three in the afternoon. Most guys are like back at the truck and have left wow. at their camp. And I will glass all day because I know that if I sit in that glass long enough, eventually. There's gonna be a deer standing in those binoculars, right? And uh, tripods—they sure. do they do that for me? So the tripod and glass—it's just there's nothing better. Like they, I can't think of anything better than glassing. Like going sitting out with my kid and just sitting there and glass and just talking about God and talking about girls and life and and just talking to my son and just camping with them and and glassing is like that is like the quintessential the best thing I can do. And it's I, I would above everything, but everything I do, I love glassing. So it's cool to make it have a company that creates these products that make people better at that and make the average guy find more animals and kill things. And now we're getting into stabilizing, we're shooting off our tripods and stuff. And it's just like I want to make the average guy more successful, and that's really neat. So enough about me. I love um, it. Hey, go ahead. So uh, enough about me, man. Tell me about. Oh, you. I was going to so say what, you. Uh, you've yeah. made me better. Sorry, we got a delay in the audio here. Sorry about that. You can edit this out. Okay. I was. I was going to say you've made me a better hunter. Okay. Hundred percent. Tell. So tell me about you. Where? How did you start into hunting? How did you get into hunting? Have you always lived in? You live in Montana. Have you always lived in Montana your whole life? You grew up a hunting family. So tell me about you. Yeah, so grew up in a small little town in North Idaho, like at the almost by Canada, you know, last town in Idaho before Canada and a big hunting scene there, obviously. And the thing that really got me into hunting was I was born in 1990 and I forget when my dad killed this buck, but I think it was 1994 or 1995. He killed like close to 160 inch four, four point whitetail, like perfectly symmetrical, you know, 13 or 14 inch G2s, just an all American, perfect, big four by four buck. And I've been staring at that buck on the wall. It's the only one he has on the wall. And I've been staring at that thing since I was like four or five years old and just obsessed with like, I want to get a buck like that. And still to this day, I've never killed one bigger than my dad's. Gotten real close, but not as big as that perfect four by four. I even told him, you know, it's like, dad, when the day comes that you die, I don't want your money. I don't want the house. The only thing I want is that set of antlers on the wall. And so, yeah, my dad would go hunting and would talk about, you know, someday going to take you with me and me and I have a twin brother and we just couldn't wait to do that and it started with him buying us these little youth 20 gauge single shot shotguns I think when we were like 10 9 or 10 and uh, started going grouse hunting with my dad we we all had those single shot 20 gauges from big five it was like a rut was it a Rossi? A Rossi single shot? I think what it was. Yeah, it had. Did it have the like? Uh, yeah, uh, it could. That it could be the, the brand. Did it have like the little like you cocked it back like a single action to, to shoot it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. same gun. I feel like in the nineties, yep, we all I remember, had that we, shotgun. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, we went to Black Sheep in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and I remember it was ninety nine dollars for these shotguns. My dad went to buy it. You know, me and my twin are all excited. And then he hands his driver's license over. His driver's license was expired. So we had to go spend hours in the DMV. And, you know, like every dad, whenever something like this happens, they're all frustrated, whatever. But yeah, so we get these shotguns and then we're, you know, terrified of them. You know, never really handled a gun other than a BB gun, scared of the recoil, all this stuff and shot some trap with it and then went grouse hunting with them for the first time. And I 
just remember like having so much fun with my dad and that's it's game over from there like all you want to do is go hunting all this stuff so on my 12th birthday i got a ruger m77 in 30-06 and that was my first rifle i still have it actually and uh, yeah so then we started deer hunting and it took me five years to kill my first deer i probably missed 50 deer. I just could not get myself calmed down. I wanted to impress my dad and just disappointment over and over and over again until 17. We go out to this property. We had permission to hunt beneath these a 10 acre patch that my parents had bought. We go down there. I climbed up into this tree stand that someone had set there. No harness, no seatbelt, like the most dangerous thing ever. And I climbed up there and I just remember thinking like, I'm going to kill my first deer today. Like I've been trying since I was 12, like it has to happen. And this little four by five basket rack buck came out and I shot, shot him and killed him and getting that thing out of there. My dad was on the phone, on the phone with the guy whose land we were hunting. And I'll never forget what he said. You know, my dad is the type that like, he's not really going to tell you he's proud of you, but he'll, he'll try his best to show it, you know? And I'll never forget like being in the car, my dad calling this guy on the phone and just saying like, I'm so proud of my son. And I was like, that's it. We're hunting forever. You know, that, that's, it's game over from there. And then, so yeah, hunted deer and had friends that hunted elk, but we were just not, we, we all killed a deer every year, got Smokies made and, and that was kind of it. And then once I started hunting by myself is when it, this all turned into an obsession. So I got, I feel like I, yeah, I grew up hunting deer with my dad, but that was like, shoot the first doe you see, shoot the first little buck you see. But it was when I started hunting elk by myself and really trying to figure out that learning curve that this all became a massive obsession. So did that start in Idaho or in Montana? So I... I didn't have, I never had a bow in Idaho. I was working for churches and we all know churches don't pay a whole lot of money. So I didn't have money to like go buy new weapons and stuff. I had the old 30 six. I'd kill my deer every year and that was about it. But always thought about like, man, what if I started bow hunting elk? Wouldn't that be cool? And moved to Montana and uh, in 2015 and then couldn't even hunt all of 2016 because I wasn't a resident yet. So 2017, I had a buddy who's a, a really accomplished bow hunter. And I was like, what's a good bow? I was looking on Craigslist and stuff. And he gave me some great advice, which I still use to this day. He's like, just go just go to Instagram and DM your favorite hunter. They're all sponsored. They've got a garage full of bows. Ask them if you could buy a bow off of them. And I started doing that. And that's how I got my first bow. It was Sean Looktell from Heart, Heartland Bow Hunter. I, I love the Heartland Bow Hunter stuff. I think they tell great stories. And DM Tim, I was like, do you have an extra bow I could buy off you? He gave me a great deal at the time. It was like the top of the line bow from the year before. And that's how I got my my first bow. So I started bow hunting really in in Montana close to a decade ago. I guess I, I went out a couple seasons toward the end of Idaho with rifle trying to kill an elk, but really fell in love with bow hunting in like 2017. So in Idaho, I mean, 10 years, like I have a hard time, like I don't get sure of a good hunter, but like I tend to think like if you hunt enough, you're going to kill something. So were you just like stumble? How did you not kill an elk? For years, hiking through the woods in Idaho, like I, I feel like I, when I'm going on a hunt, I'm like I'm gonna have an opportunity to kill something. Like and I and, and, I, and I, when I say I'm not a good hunter, I tend to kill something whenever we go hunting. I, I we we get we have an opportunity to kill something. We miss my kids will miss whatever. I don't kill giant animals every time I go, but like I have a heart like ten years, dude. Like that's crazy to be like what were you doing wrong like you're walking out with a rifle during rifle season like how are you just no clue what you're doing like why are you not seeing elk or are you missing elk on this time like what's going on yeah so the big so i started getting into elk consistently when i started bow hunting so this is when i got an onyx membership i I was diving into youtube trying to shorten the learning curve learning how to call Mm -hmm. in idaho i had no clue what i was doing i was walking in my deer spots hoping to run into an elk right but very rarely going to happen like that. In Idaho, I had no idea where to where to go because me and my family just did not hunt elk. And but in Montana, so my first year bow hunting elk, I shot a bull right behind the shoulder over a wallow. Never found him. Looked for weeks. Never found him. And I've had that exact same story five times. So when I say I've never killed an elk, I have had bulls within range or gotten a shot or missed or hit one and have no idea what happened to it five different times. So I'm either the world's unluckiest hunter, 
but especially now, like the last couple of years, like, dude, I, I'm, I've got bulls within range. I had eight bulls within range this year and either no shot opportunity. I missed one. And then I, I hit that one and we never found him. And I looked for weeks and just heartbreaking. So yeah, I've like had the opportunity. It's just, I don't know if I was cursed or, or what. And that's why I started talking about like, elk don't exist. This is all dumb. Elk hunting is stupid. Bow hunting sucks. I've just had my heart broken so many times. And and yeah, I've had the opportunities and I'm starting to figure stuff out. Never on any like big bulls. I think the biggest bull I've called in, it's like maybe 320. And then just, yeah, making stupid rookie mistakes, like calling while he's looking at me, you know, stupid, stupid things like that. So yeah, that's Are my elk hunting still- woes for sure. So do you have like a really bad case of buck fever? I think so, yeah. I think I have a really hard time get, getting calm. But but like I've put arrows exactly where I want to, given them time. And then I've had the, the broadhead break off at the arrow. So you get no penetration, even though you hit perfect where you want it to. Last year's bull, I or this year in archery, the bull I shot was quartered away pretty hard. And I just didn't give him enough time. I bumped him from a bed, just like really awful rookie mistake thing. So that bull's probably dead, but three miles from where I bumped him out of his bed and I'll never find him, you know, stuff like that. But even it's on a rifle, dude, like my, I have pretty bad trigger panic I'm trying to get over. Like on this elk hunt I just went on where I killed my bull, I two days before I left for that hunt, I put a four and a half inch group at 500 yards, feeling super confident. And then when the film comes out, you'll see me miss the bull I ended up killing three times before I finally like calmed down and made a good shot, you know, for sure. Yeah, I wonder if there's like, my son, I feel like has kind of got over it. Like my 17 year old, I tell people all the time, like my first, your first kid, you want to rush him into stuff. You're like, shoot this 20 gauge, don't be a wuss. Shoot this 12 gauge, don't be a wuss. Shoot this 243, don't be a wuss. <laughs> and then like, I gave him like the worst, like we've had some pretty bad, experience. he's killed pretty much every animal that he shot at, right? But we had to overcome some pretty major buck fever with him and he's gotten over now now he's just a killer but like mm-hmm. i mean his first his first year he shot the leg off of it he was 12 years old and i mean he it was he shot the leg off it and then i was trying i should have just shot the deer for him i had a tag too but like no don't shoot my deer don't shoot my deer and he mm. his doe he shot a doe was his his first year he actually killed he we didn't find that buck that he, he shot the leg off of his first doe he killed he missed her twice or three times and then hit her knocked her down and he had a couple experiences mm-hmm. like that where it's like he killed him but it was like man you know the first two deer but now since then like the deer he killed last year one shot dead the elk he, he killed in utah two shots dead both of them were kill shots but he's just dead dead on its feet right shot it again hammered it nice he shot an antelope one shot dead and then he shot this bucky shot last week one shot dead and like he's very methodical though like he's very stoic so i don't know what it took to get over it but now it's like he's like almost two my buddy took him and he's like i've never hunted with somebody so stoic and so calm like i'm yelling at him to put another round in the deer and he looks at me and he's like why it's gonna fall over and then the deer falls over right like he's he's gotten to a point now where he's just like <laughs> at first he was kind of rushing maybe and i don't know what was causing the panic and now he's like almost too slow and waiting to get the perfect shot and he's been making good shots but he's also missing some opportunities with some pretty good animals he had an opportunity like a 160 170 buck over in utah and he didn't pull the mm. trigger because he just couldn't get stable enough which is good right but on the other hand i have a 15 year old yeah which is good for him to do i have a 15 year old who just missed a deer this weekend and he's like i wasn't stable it's like well, why'd you pull the trigger dude you know like you don't pull the trigger if you're not stable yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but i mean buck fever right. is it's a it's a real thing man like even my 15 year old who i consider a, a really good shot I mean, he's killed deer at 400 yards um, one shot kills and we're in utah he's going to pull the trigger he killed the animal but it's like you hear him, he's like <gasps> he kills it and i'm like man you were panicking he's like no I, was, sure, I was totally yeah and he's like he's like no i was totally calm I'm like there's no way you're totally calm i can hear you from you know with my earplugs mm-hmm. in from four foot away you know you're you're hyperventilating you know, on the trigger you know <laughs> it's a it's a real thing and i think Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe I'm speaking for you. I think when you've had like, there's a gotta be some sort of pressure on you that's been relieved now. But like, there's a bit of pressure there. Where, like, you've missed animals or you've injured animals. You're, there's something that kind of gets in your head where it's like, don't do that again. I don't want it. it like, it messes with you, right? Like, almost. Yes. Like, I don't want to. I don't want a Monday morning quarterback the bull that you injured this year or didn't find. But like, you had an opportunity to kill that bull. And you hesitated, right? And then, mm-hmm. if I, unless I missed, you hesitated and waited. And I was like, why, why don't you the release? 
and you waited till then you wait till it was a worse shot. And is that just because like you were just like I don't want to mess this up? <laughs> like what? Like what? What do you think that's part of the, well, the buck fever? With that like one just... specifically, so with that one specifically, my the guy filming who, which is so cool, his name's Riley. He works for Montana Knife Company. Great friend, and so he was the one behind the phone camera on that bull on earlier in September. And so he was he was like 15 yards to the left of me. So where the bull first stops and it's like, why aren't you shooting? He was behind a tree right there from me. Oh, so I had to wait for him okay. to clear that tree. And that's where I cow called him and, and stopped him. And I thought I did make a good shot. I hit like two inches further back than I wanted to. All I had to do on that bull was go to the wait. truck for five hours. And I just, we, we saw first blood. It was a river. I'm like, oh, he's going to be dead up here. Like just stupid mistake. But you're a hundred percent right. Like 10 years of trying to kill a bull. There was a ton of pressure. Like, I have to get this done. I've had so many opportunities. And that definitely does get into your head. And it's such a stupid pressure to put on yourself, you know? Like, why? Why was I feeling that pressure to kill an elk? It's like, because I want to look like a badass again. I want to prove myself. No, man. Like, I didn't need to put that pressure on me at all. But it definitely, definitely got in my head, for sure. So, with that bull, how long did you wait before you bumped him? Like an hour, which I knew the shot was back. And I knew, but I knew in the back of my mind, like that shot was further back than you thought. Like, and it's, it always starts with like, let's go look for the arrow. And then you find blood and you're like, let's find this bull right now. And I knew in the back of my mind, that was a stupid decision. And I just could not stop myself. Like I had to find this thing. And when the blood was that good, it's hard not to, you know, but it was a very tough lesson to learn. Yeah. Did you ever see him bump up or you just assume you bumped him? Like, was there a play? No, we found two beds. He was in. The bed three is laying down and bleeding. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. And always after that first or second bed, like they're going to stop bleeding. And that was a heartbreak. I once shot a javelina and went to grab my arrow. I didn't realize it was right there and almost killed me. And I bumped him. And it was, (laughs) I I have, I mean, it's a stupid animal, but I tracked that thing the next day for so long. And I found where it bedded down and there was blood everywhere. And I think a lion picked him up and took him off. Because it was like, this thing was dead right here. You can see where his body was. There's so much blood. And I think someone picked him up. And I was like, oh, man, never again will I do that. But I didn't give him an hour. I mean, an hour to me seems pretty reasonable. And I'm glad you're saying that. So is that a, no- a normal thing to give him like more than an hour for a bowl with an arrow? So I have some good buddies of mine in uh, Stuck in the Rut, if you've ever watched their mm-hmm. videos. I grew, up, I grew up with those guys. We're from the same town. And I was talking to him. And he's like, we wait an hour no matter what unless you see it go down. He's like, if we don't find blood in 150 yards, we we give him four or five hours, like no matter what, even if it was a good shot or whatever. And just playing on the safe side. And I've bumped a couple of elk now in my elk hunting journey. And I mean, from here on out, dude, I, I, I'm going to be, if I see the bull go down, I'm sitting down for two hours, you know? <laughs> it's, a good, uh, it's, a, it's a good call. All right. So you've got into it. So what what else? Like what you've gotten to this point. So you've chased elk, you haven't got an elk, you injured this elk this year. And now, next thing I know, now you're like this sponsored hunter and you're going, you went on this hunt. How did this hunt come about that you just went on? Yeah. So this is a a 7,000 some acre ranch that a friend of mine grew up on. So I've been trying to get access to this place for the last three years. And so how I kind of pitched it, because I I just got a camo sponsor. I love to joke around with people like, I might be the only hunter who has never killed an elk to like get companies to give me money and product. I don't know how I, you know, just by making people laugh and being bad at (laughs) being bad at what I love. It's very funny. And I don't quite understand it all. But that's where we're where we're at. And so I, mean, I was like, well, I've who got is this the, piece of property camo, that I've been... Who is the camo company? Let's give them a plug real quick. Who's the camo company? Yeah, Vail. V-E-I-L. They make camo patterns. like So they're like a mossy oak. They make camo patterns. They have a couple like of their own products and stuff. That's more for like the whitetail hunter, like in the South maybe, or Midwest. But they, they partner with other companies that are making like more Western gear. So say there's a new camo, like apparel company, but they don't want to make their own camo pattern or they'd rather have Veil do it, then they hire Veil to create a one-of-a-kind camo pattern for what this other company is trying to do. So Veil is who my sponsor is through. They do, they got stuff on Tika rifles, Crocs, all the Shields gear, all the Sportsman's Warehouse gear. I mean, they've, they've done patterns for a million different companies. So they 
reached out to me and said, you know, we've been following you since your first video. We love what you're about and love what you're doing. Yeah, we want to pay you to wear our stuff. And so that that was a long conversation and a lot of thought into that because, you know, I, I was wearing Kuyu for a long time and put a ton of money into the Kuyu stuff and it's really good gear. Sitka's really good gear, First Light. You know, there's a lot of great camo companies, but people are weird on the internet, like when you switch products. Um, so I was like, the gear has to be really good for me to, to take this on. And it's gotta, it's gotta make sense for me. And so I got samples of Tuo. T-U-O is the actual apparel company that I'm wearing in a veil camo pattern. And I got the samples and I'm like, man, this stuff feels really good. And it's performed really well too. So I'm super happy. But yeah, so I'm wearing Tuo, but in a veil pattern. So my sponsorship is through veil camo. Gotcha. On the whole camouflage, um, camo company point and like the different brands, I... I intentionally try and be Switzerland for that reason, right? And I actually intentionally mm. try and wear uh, solids. I have, I, I really like Kuyu stuff, but I, I'm like so, like, I don't like to be with like the, everyone has different, different things I like from different companies, right? So like, I, I love like the Stone Glacier. For pants, sure. Right? And I love the Merino wool from First Light. Mm-hmm. And I love some of the Kuyu jackets that I have. And I, I have like a Stone Glacier like hoodie that I really like. So I kind of like try and be Switzerland because I don't want to like be married to one brand and have like hurt people's feelings. Right? I tell people all the time, like, like if you, like you same thing with like freaking freeze dried fu- meals, right? I have like four or five different freeze dried meals I eat. Like I don't try and be like, I'm only <laughs> using this or like, I'm yeah. only using like, like I love mountain ops stuff, but I don't only use mountain ops, you know, like I, I don't want to do that because I don't want to be married to one because as a company, I want to be, be out there. But yeah, people can be really weird about stuff like that. People can be, the in, hunting industry is like a very cutthroat industry and I can see how you can get some slack for changing over, right? Which is so funny. I mean, people are so stupid. Like I saw people giving you crap for hunting on a private ranch. It's so and, silly, dude. And it's like, like, like that guy wouldn't take Who it. Who like, cares? People, yeah. Like I like nine out of ten dudes. If you uh, the, call, the thing is, like nine out of ten dudes. If you call them, who's gonna say, say no to a? Who's gonna a say no? Private land. Yeah, they're not. They're not gonna say no. Yeah, and the thing is, like this property, man, it goes from the river bottom all the way up to seven thousand foot mountains. It's surrounded by state and BLM. There were six other hunters that we were competing with who also had access to this property. Six people on 7,000 acres isn't a big piece of property, you know? And I've been trying to hunt here for three years and yeah, they finally let me come on. So then I pitched it, you know, I have a sponsor, like sponsors now. So I pitched it to Vale. It's like, hey, can you pay my friend to come film me trying to kill my first elk? And there's way more elk on the east side of Montana than there is where I'm out. That's, I have no problem saying I'm from Kalispell because no one travels across the state to come hunt here. That It's very difficult elk hunting. And so I wanted a place where there's actually elk and where I'm going to have a good chance at killing one. And I don't know what the big deal is about that. I had a guy unfollow me recently because I stopped wearing Kuyu. I'm like, I, I love Kuyu. I still run their pack. I have some of their gloves still. I still have a whole kit of Kuyu stuff, you know, that my friends are going to wear now, or maybe I'll sell it. I don't know. It's nothing personal, it's, but it's like, if a company whose product I like wants to pay me to hunt in it with not a lot of real demands on me as far as like delivering content and stuff, they just believe in what I'm doing. Why in the world would, no one would say no to that. And if you, if, if you would, then why are you loyal to a company that doesn't even know who you are? You know, it's, people like get really upset about what camp they're in camo wise. And my favorite thing to say, if, if they get mad at me for, you know, I was wearing a Bass Pro hat in a video and that my son got me for my birthday. And he was giving me, there's like making jokes and there's just being like rude. And he was being really rude about this hat. And I said, what's worse, wearing a, a hat my son got me for my birthday or caring about what another man puts on his body? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, the internet's full you know? of trolls, like, uh, right? Who cares, dude? Yeah. 100%. 100%. But anyway, so I got finally got permission after three years of asking my friend, can I hunt your family ranch? And, you know, there's a wait list for it and she couldn't get me on or cook it on, but I have to get bumped. And it just all worked out to where I got permission this year. And man, absolutely stunning piece of property. And okay, yeah, so we we leave at one in the morning from Kalispell. We show up at the ranch around 7.30, 8 o'clock. And then we just go for a hike to start glassing. And I would say once we got to the top, we're glassing around. And it's just one of those areas like there's elk in there's elk here for sure. Like you just know it. And 
it wasn't long after that we glassed up this bachelor group of four bulls about a mile and a half away. And, you know, it's just big rolling open cubbies and hills. And we're trying to like plan a route to stock them, uh, like put a stock on them and get in range and doesn't really look possible. But I'm like, this is my hunt, boys. We're going to try, you know. Is, it and, gui- is this guided or no? Is no, it, no, no, a guide? no, 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 not, not guided. I took a friend of mine who also had tags and then Riley, my video guy. Okay. And uh, I was like, this is my hunt. Like, we're, we got to try. There's, there's bulls right there. And so we put on this like mile and some change stock, 400 yards of belly crawling at the end of it and get into range. And there's this bull, this really nice five point bull bedded. He, he probably scored like 280 as a five point, like really awesome bull, especially for a f- first bull, 560 yards. And we have a 10 mile an hour wind going left to right. And I didn't take that into account because I'm stupid. And I was set up on two packs prone on the bipod. I feel like I was shooting off of a lead sled and squeezed one off and, and missed it right. I, I think I might actually like hit it through the quad muscle, you know, and it stood up. I racked one again, sent it. And in the video, I missed him by like three inches on that second shot. And he goes into the timber and we watched him for like an hour and not even limping, like 100% fine. And so I'm feeling like the biggest loser on earth. Like here I have this access to this ranch and I still freaking suck. And I had the prime, this prime opportunity to kill this great bull on camera. And now my failures are on camera. Like this sucks. And it was a long, long hike out of there. I actually got within 50 yards of him. I got back up because we didn't think they left the timber. And when I saw him, he saw me and he took off running again. And I sh- gave it a quick running shot, missed him again. So now I'm feeling like I don't think I ever will kill an elk. Like this is impossible for me. I'm an idiot. I'm trash. This is all on camera. This sucks. Will I get another opportunity? Did I just blow all the elk out of here? And so, yeah, that night was rough, super rough. And yeah, slept in the next morning, and then we're like, we're just hunting white. Before you go into that, can you can you describe? Because like I've had this feeling, right? The feeling, Mm. the feeling where you miss, especially after. Like, I guess day one is not so bad, but like, especially after like four or five days, the mm. feeling when you miss, when you want to just quit and go home, and also the feeling of like, the feeling of injuring an animal, I think it's worse for me. That's what really makes yeah. me sick. If I injure something, I can't find it. That's, and it's going to happen. If you do it long enough, you're going to eventually hit something and not find it, or your kids, I've had it with my kids, right? Like that one oh. where you shot the lake off that deer in San Diego, I felt horrific for it. My buddy found the deer, my buddy's deer. We drove, we actually drove an hour to get there, and my kid, did my kid choose the leg off this my buddy's deer i felt just horrible right yeah. it's just you feel there's a sick feeling like, can you describe that like what's it like not being able to can you can you sleep at night that night or what what does that feel like no i couldn't sleep like that. it was better on this one because we watched it for an hour it wasn't even limping so i literally like grazed his hind quarter and so that's easier to stomach but especially after losing that bull this year or in september like i was like honestly feeling like i'm gonna stop hunting out like I can't, my heart can't take it anymore. Like I put in all this time in preparation and then, you know, to wound an animal, even if he's fine, like it still sucks. Like you drew a little bit of blood on a, on an elk. You didn't make his life easier. And so I, I was like, maybe we just hunt deer on this trip and we don't keep going after elk. And no, I definitely thought about quitting several, several times. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it, you felt, you felt it before. I'm sure you've lost an animal. Every hunter has. And every time, if you don't feel sick about it, I think something's wrong with you, you know? Yeah, so I felt very low. My friends did a good job of trying to pick my spirits up. And so the next day it was like, we've got deer tags. There's tons of deer on this property. Let's just hunt deer all day. And we were exhausted from, you know, sleeping like two hours in the truck on the way to this hunt and then putting in close to 10 miles that first day. And yeah, saw a ton of good bucks, passed a ton of good bucks, ended up shooting a really decent whitetail um, the next night. So the, the day after I missed that bull, um, shot a really nice whitetail for, for my standards. Anyways, I'm the king of like 120 inch deer. I can never say no to a 120 inch deer and uh, really cool four by four. Um, saw like 30 plus bucks that day, which is just amazing. So then boom, my confidence is back. My spirits are lifted. And then so the next day, Thursday now, so I killed that buck Wednesday. Thursday is like, all right, we're back after elk and I'm not leaving the mountain without an elk down. So we hike all the way to the top again. Once we get up to this big saddle, we look like two drainages 
It's like a mile, mile and a half away. Boom, there's a herd of elk, a bull that we think is legal in it, but it, it's very marginal. So it's like, okay, they're bedded there. Let's leave them and go look for more elk. So we go to the top. Again, glassing, it's snowing sideways. It's a blizzard. The temperature has dropped like 40 degrees. Mule deer everywhere. And then we start picking our way through the saddle. We get on some more elk tracks. And it's like, all right, let's follow these for a little bit. And we follow that, get up on a ridge and realize like, well, we're, we're only 900 yards from that group of elk we saw this morning. And they're still there. And I think that bull in it might be legal. So me and my cameraman went to make a push on them and get in range. And my other buddy took off after these other elk. So we ended up getting to 414 yards. That bed is just bedded there. Uh, what, is the a legal, is, what is a legal bull in Montana? I'm curious. Yeah. So no spikes. Has to have branch, It has to be branch antlered and have brow tines that are four inches. Okay. So we get a closer look at him at 400 yards. I'm like, bro, that's a five by five. That's illegal all day. You know, just this little raghorn bull get set up on him, waited like 30 minutes for him to stand up and he was severely quartered away. And so I put it back and hit him on that first shot. And I actually ended up getting the lung on the other side on that first shot, but we couldn't tell, you know, like all the commotion, you can't really tell where you're hitting. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I hit him on that first one. And then I shot again, pretty sure I missed, shot again, pretty sure I missed. And then he bedded down behind a tree that we couldn't shoot through obviously i'm like he's acting hurt but like what the heck is going on is my gun off am i off which is the more like logical conclusion is like i suck and can't make a good shot and so my scope only goes in half moa clicks so it'll go like four four point five five right it's not quarter inch moa clicks and so when I, I have a range finder that tells me the range and then what MOA to dial after I inputted all my ballistics and stuff. So the MOA to dial was like 4.2 and I had it on 4.5. So I was holding a little bit low to try to make up that difference. And so looking in the video after the fact, I was shooting right under him every time and, and didn't realize it. So, but f- so he stands back up after another 30 minutes of bedding down. I shot again out of ammo at this point, reload. And that's where he, if you saw the video, he comes out from behind that tree and he's just standing there. I put two more shells in. I thought I was hitting high. I was hitting low. I dialed just down to four and just held it right on him and dumped him. So there was a lot of the sense of relief I felt like watching that elk just go down. Like I've never felt anything like that. I've shot some really good deer. I've killed some trophy book bears. I have never felt that sense of relief, accomplishment, whatever you want to call it. I've never felt that hunting in my entire life. Like I was tearing up. I was crying. My cameraman who was filming me shoot that bull in September and that heartbreak with him to like get that redemption with him. Like, dude, it was, I don't know. Like I told you, my feet still haven't touched the ground. And I've been telling people, you know, it's a little dink five by five, but it might as well have been a 400 inch bull to me. Like that's how I felt. Like just unbelievable to finally get it done. And, you know, to be known as the guy that can't kill an elk and that's the running joke on my Instagram page and it's kind of given me a career or a start of a career which is hilarious people ask me all the time what's going to happen when you finally kill an elk like you're going to kill your brand I'm going to unfollow you you know all these jokes and I've told every single one like I don't care like I I want to kill an elk and if I kill my brand in the process so be it and I mean, since I killed that elk, I've gotten almost a thousand new followers. So I don't think my brand is dying. And like I've told people too, I was like, wait till you see the film of me missing like five times. Like I'm not a good hunter now just because I got an elk on the ground, you know? <laughs> but yeah, man, just amazing. Just to, to show myself like it can be done. And who cares if it was on private land or not, dude? Like that was a five mile pack out down a thousand feet of elevation up a thousand. Like I worked for it. So I don't, I don't care what people say about that, but yeah, dude. Just speechless about the whole thing. It was awesome. That's awesome. So what is your plan for that bull? Are you going to like shoulder mount that thing? You do Euro mount? What are you going to do? Where's it going? Over your bed? Just a Euro. And all my trophies have been in the garage. I since moved them to the office of my day job so I can actually look at them every day. But my wife said as motivate, my wife is the best human being on planet earth. And she said for motivation, you kill a bull, you hang it in the house. So it's going, I got a piano over there, over there. That bull's going right here in the house, baby. Nice. That's awesome. And Just you, dropped you it off to, to the taxidermist yesterday. Have you got to eat it yet? Uh, not yet. I butchered it two nights ago. 
and I'm just waiting for like the perfect date night with Caitlin, my wife, to to bust out the tenderloins. If you know what I mean. <laughs> You can you can cut the, that if you need to. No, does she? I mean, do you, like when you walked in the house, was she like, "Wow, that guy is like sexier now"? Like, she actually feels like because for the longest time you couldn't provide for her, like, and now you're able to like now you're able to like do it. your like provide your you know provide the meat and feed the family. The children aren't starving anymore. I mean, they're they're not going to be malnourished yeah, this season. Oh man, I got home from that elk hunt. She was all over me. I'm like, let's put the kids to bed first. Like, you're freaking them out. Like. <laughs> No, no, nothing quite like that. But my wife has been so supportive. Like, you know, I hunted 21 days of 30 days this September. And man, she there was days I didn't want to go and she was kicking me out the door like, go do this. She does not care about hunting. Like, it's not her passion, but she knows what it means to me. And I asked her one day, like, a lot of my friends, like their wives don't let them hunt. And I hate even saying it in that those terms don't let them Ugh, terrible like why do you have such an easy time like letting me go she's like it's not easy to to let you go whenever you want but i like who you are when you come home and so that's my wife saying she like she knows what this does for my soul and my spirit keeps me humble and keeps me joyful you know and yeah she's just freaking awesome so i facetimed her when i killed that bull and she's in the middle of a meeting she takes the call she's fist pumping with me so pumped yeah it was pretty cool man awesome yeah I mean, my wife has kind of given up. I mean, I, my both my boys, and then now like I have a hunting company, so I kind of have to hunt, right? So she gets yeah. that right. So I, Smart. I, I kind of, I kind of, I mean, like I have to field test, I have to prototype, I have to go out and do it. But but yeah, she knows it's what's important to me, right? And I know like I have to make up for it big time. And Definitely. Like, she's pretty it's great. It's a right, give and take, right? right? It's a give and take. Like, you know, it's like she knows at the end of September. I'm paying hundreds of dollars for her to go to get the best massage she's ever had, you know, or there's been times when she's like, yo, the kids, I'm going to throw them in the garbage if you don't come home. So I will leave them out and and gladly go home to help. You know, it's a give and take or whatever, but yeah, it's got to be nice too. Once the kids go with you all the time. So at least she has like some quiet time to herself, you know? Yeah, and you kind of play it right. Like I kind of play it like, well, Man, the kids you really know, want me to I'm, take them. You got, I got to mentor them, and I have them in the I car. Gotta be a good dad. Yeah. yeah, I got them in the car <laughs> for eight hours, and then I got them in a tent with me, and then I got them yeah. in the morning, right? Yeah. But there's also a balance there too. Like I've got my four year old at the door right now, trying to break in right now and disrupt this whole thing. <laughs> for sure. I'm also ne- neglecting all of them too, right? Like I got a daughter who doesn't hunt, right? So I'm yeah, yeah. trying to balance that too. So like this week we like did a bunch of baking together. She's like we we made a bunch of chocolate stuff <laughs> and we watched a baking show. I'm trying to balance that out, right? And then I got the ten year old who I bring the ten year old out this weekend with me. Because I, I, I really want to kill deer locally this year. And uh, yeah. I'm just like, I'm bringing him down. I know, like, bringing your kids really most of the time. Like, now my kids are old. Like, my 15 and 17 are capable and they're finding animals. Like, they're actually, mm-hmm. I could probably drop, I could drop them off now and be like, go hunting it, right? But bringing yeah. a 10-year-old with you is a burden. It is not easier. Dude. It's like... <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's a burden, but it's important. And, and I bring him out and it's hard for her to say no to that. Right. Like I'm going to bring my son out and teach him how to be a man. Right. Like I'm going to show him yeah. how to in, endure sucky things to get through hard things, to find, to find animals. I'm going to get his hands bloody. He's probably going to get you cut up this weekend. Like it's going to mm-hmm. make him give him some grit and she supports that. And she loves that. Right. It's I, my wife's a saint. Like you said, I mean, I just have a great wife who lets me do it too. Yeah, and, man. And, I, awesome. and it'll get to a point, like she'll tell me sometimes like you can't go. And I'm like, okay, all right. You know, it I'll makes it this, easier. Right? Like when they say like, I need you. It's like, you're, yeah. you've let me get away with so much stuff. Like I am more than happy to stay home, you know, but yeah, it's, I, yeah, but I know what you're saying about, you know, bringing the 10 year old, like I go shed hunting and grouse hunting with my boys. They're seven and three. My three year old is more prone to stay out longer than my seven year old, you know? So I got to keep him entertained. I got to let him play with sticks. There's a whole balance of like, I want to teach you something, but also if I don't make this fun, you're going to hate this. And you're not going to do yeah. it when you get older. And yeah, finding you talked about this on your podcast with with Cody, Cody Rich. I, that was a great. It, if anyone's listening to this, who's a parent, like trying to get their kids into the outdoors, listen to Drew's podcast with Cody Rich because there was a lot of helpful stuff in there. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. So now you are 
by all means, you're you are a successful elk hunter. Right? I'm the best we're, we're hunter on the face of the earth. You are now you are now an accomplished elk hunter. You're <laughs> you've killed bulls. You can never you can't say anymore. What's next? I mean, are you gonna go? Are you going after doll sheep? Are you going to Alaska? What's what's the next thing that you're gonna chase? I, yeah, I don't know. I just this year started applying for tags in other states, you know, and I hate that I'm I'm 33 now and I feel like I'm so far behind the curve of building points yeah. for stuff, but I just kind of had this revelation the last couple of years. I always waited to like, oh, wait till I have more money because why would I apply for an out-of-state tag if I can't afford to go there? But that was backwards thinking because you like anything you care about in life, you find a way to financially support it, right? That's what's said at my church all the time. You give toward what you care about. Like if I drew a doll sheep tag tomorrow, you bet your tail I'm figuring out a way to pay for it. So I just now started applying for tags in other states and I'm going to keep doing that. But the big thing for me is like for a long time of trying to be the badass hunter, hunting wasn't that fun anymore. And so my big yeah. thing is like, this is the, we do this at the end of the day because it's really, really fun. And all I want to do is keep making people laugh, keep making fun of myself, keep poking fun at the industry a little bit. And that's it. You know, if I only hunt over the counter Montana tags my whole life, I'm going to be really satisfied as long as it's still like fun for me. And that's my whole thing is just keep hunting fun. That's awesome, dude. I am stoked to have you on. I'm stoked to put this out there for everyone to hear about your story, hear your journey. It's been inspiring to see you continue to go on. Most guys would have quit. So good job. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm, good, I'm good. bad and stupid. Bad and stupid. That's a good way to put it. But you got it done, dude. I'm I'm so proud of you. So stoked for you. Thanks, man. Uh, you want to give a plug to like, you know, I guess are you working with Seek Outside? You're working with Vail Camo? Who else yeah, are you working, working with? Some plugs. The main sponsors are Tricer and Vail. Yeah, I'm working with Tricer, the greatest glassing platform ever made. Glass better with Tricer. And I'm working with Vail Camo. And there's some other stuff in the works that I can't talk about yet, but I'm very excited about it. That's awesome, man. That's really cool that you're going to be sponsored by Bass Pro Shops. And I'm just <laughs> I should just to cool. make the haters mad, man. Yeah, Gun Gunworks is gonna send you a rifle and be like, I saw that video. You gotta use our <laughs> rifle. Yeah. You suck, dude. Here, let let us help you. I don't think a Gunworks rifle could help me shoot any better. That's stuff I've gotta do. <laughs> for yeah, sure. But all right, dude, and then go find you on Inst on Instagram. Dylan Dietz, right? What is just Dylan Dietz on Instagram? Dylan Dietz on Instagram, D-I-L-L-O-N-D-E-I-T-Z. And I'm going to be starting my YouTube channel this year as well. So follow me on YouTube. And uh, thanks for having me on, Drew. I, I think the world of you, man. And this is going to be the best year for Tricer yet, dude. And I'm going to help you sell products as much as I can. That's awesome. Thanks, bro. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Tricer Podcast. Do us a favor and like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Tricer USA. And go and check out all of our innovative gear at www.tricerusa.com. Until next time, shoot straight, have fun, and always put God first. <laughs>